0: Welcome, one and all, to Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open.
1: Is the uncontrollable vomiting coming yet? Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 207, Those Old Scientists, comes to you now via Heronium alloy.
0: Pete, as we discussed on our Star Trek Sunday podcast, here we are with all the goodies that uh, Paramount Plus has delivered in the last couple days. But first, Pete, some news before the fleet leaves orbit tomorrow on Disney Plus. The Secret Invasion finale will stream. Looking forward to that. See how it all will wrap up.
1: Yes, and those who have been following along know what fun we've had with our Quake Watch segment. So you're definitely going to want to see whether all the snoopers were right or wrong
0: uh and of course pete the next new episode of star trek will be on thursday that's episode 208 and we will be podcasting that on star trek sunday
1: yes in our normal slot there but giving you this one because obviously they launched it without us uh, being aware they would actually do this
0: well, Pete, no time like the present, unless it's the past or going to the future, so let's dive into the mission briefing.
1: Matt, have I clicked on the the right episode? Uh, suddenly, there's cartoons on my Star Trek Strange New Worlds?
0: Pete, let's go back in time to a year ago when this episode was announced at San Diego Comic-Con 2022, and we were saying, but wait... Portions are going to be live action and portions are animated. I think at the time we were thinking like, like Roger Rabbit. Uh, And as this animated (laughs) portion started, I was like, I I was just immediately almost, you know, ancient portal style sent back where it was like, oh, portions are animated. Portions are live action. I understand. We are watching a segment of Lower Decks where the Cerritos has come to Chromoth B to check the portal for portal problems uh boimler tells us that this portal was discovered by pike and the enterprise oh mariner. he's
1: on the show we're watching
0: indeed he is it's almost like two storylines shall cross uh mariner points out that this hasn't done portal things in about 120 years wait pete that's about the time difference between lower decks i was almost gonna say lower decks as this show i know we're watching strange worlds but that's the time difference between uh the the cerritos and the enterprise it's been one hundred and twenty years since there's been the these actions by those old scientists,
1: yes. And uh, Boimler muses about Spock, uh, a character he refers to as Numero una. Um, and uh, but wait, what about Uhura there? Uh, Mariner is a big fan of Uhura, of course. And then Rutherford and Tendy arrive, all excited to do science.
0: Hooray, science. All four head out. It's revealed that Cy Mariner, she guesses, is running the show here. Uh, so much in this; these first two scenes are setups for later on, including this idea. Somehow Mariner got tasked with this. Uh, Rutherford hopes there will be tachyons. Will there be tachyons? Wait, Pete, those are the the time things. There just might be tachyons.
1: On the surface of the planet, our lower deckers beam down, and the ancient inactive thing is inactive. Tendi claims it was actually discovered by Orions. Yes, an Orion science vessel. And Boimler wonders if (laughs) the Orions were pirates yet it turns out there were some orion scientists back then those old scientists
0: it's like a universal title here uh and speaking of the science we head back to it as rutherford detects heronium in the portal Uh, boimler name checks that it was also used on the nx class enterprise Yet another example of something that is critically late, uh, cr- critically important later in the episode, but feels like a, just a lower decks throwaway name check, fan service kind of thing. Um, and we add to that. Speaking of the NX class Enterprise, Mariner mentions going to the boring Fleet Museum. You know, the one that we were all so excited about when we saw Picard season three.
1: Yes, and the beauty of this episode, the economy too, is how much they set up in the second half. With that, Mariner tells Boimler, enough living in the past. Let's live in the moment. Now is better. No chance to disappoint Uhura. Boimler poses for a picture, but the flash goes off. And now the ancient thing is doing a thing. Boimler tries to avoid it, but he's pulled in. Remember? Remember me? It's like Gene's lyrics to the Star Trek theme song that he wrote to screw Alexander Courage out of 50% of the royalties.
0: Pete, I don't think enough people talk about how there's lyrics to the Star Trek theme song. (laughs) Um, And that's a true fact that Gene wrote that to get money. Uh, I think we need to blow
1: past that. On the other side of the portal, which is now in live action and widescreen and 4K, Boimler rolls to the feet of Spock, Lon, and number one. He passes out as they look. Realistic kudos uh, to playing it as a joke, animated versus live action, as well as the this hallucination looks real. Number one calls up to the Enterprise, they might have a problem.
0: Pete, we cut to the credits, obviously, in the form of the Strange New Worlds live action ish credits that we've had for the preceding. Uh, 16 episodes i would like to say these are the best looking star trek credits since voyager i said it i would say keep these credits the Maybe the animated want to get re- credits complete with the koala at the end maybe not the koala and maybe not the <laughs> parasite thing but it just yes this is this is it add to it we have special guest stars tawny newsome jack quaid Noel wells and eugene cordero pete Took on the second or third or fourth view. Mike McMahon even has an executive producer credit on this. He made it, Pete. He made it to live action. He
1: did, written by Katherine Lynn and Bill Wolkoff here, directed by a familiar name, Jonathan Franks. And as we pick up after the credits here, Pike tees up a captain's log wherein the Enterprise has had its grain shipment interrupted. Number one on a walk and talk says that boimler's badge is also get this a communicator in sickbay boimler awakens to see captain pike computer and program uh it's real he's on the 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 enterprise it's 2291.6 so normal but boims is from the future and everyone knows then he He's totally freaking out. He's 120 years from the future, and number one returns with the badge, and Boimler stands erect and avoids eye contact. You have to give Jack Quaid, in particular, because he's in this throughout the body of the episode, and then also uh, his co-star, and Tony Newsom later full-on credit, not just for the characterization but in matching their characters movements to animation throughout this show
0: yeah i think i mean i've seen jack wade in the boys i've seen tawny newsome in that uh was that space force i always saw the first season it was yes. dreadful and there's a reason why people consider it to be dreadful because it's dreadful not her fault though yeah um i guess i had i, I underestimated how and Anim- i I underestimated the job that they could do to match the animated characters. I mean, obviously, there's similarities in gender, skin tone, height, things of that sort between the animated and live action versions. But you know, wow, they are really playing these characters, and these characters really are them. it's it, it's it's remarkable. Um, I know people also said, you know is uh, is Jack Wade really that tall, or is everybody else that short? Jack Wade's really tall. Uh, Boimler walks with La'an. They're leaving, but Una wonders if Boimler Boimler knows something about Una's future. And just this great response here, you know, uh, from Pike. Nah, it's just, just, huh. On the walk and talk,
1: they review the rules. No interfering, no sharing knowledge of the future. Worf's honor. He won't do it. Lon also asks that no attachments be made. Uh, It's advice. She's traveled through time too, you see. Don't forget, one small change can change the future, including your friends and loved ones. It's a lesson from a prior episode and a reminder from Boimler to do his best, sometimes after the fact.
0: Later, we see Boimler in the conference room, checking out Pike's saddle. Riker. And, take... <laughs> and, and you know would be? Look, I obviously, when he said Riker, I understood he was saying Riker. I thought that it was, um, I thought that he was using Riker as a euphemism for cool, much as wizard is cool in the Star Wars universe. And then it was like, duh, of course. I think I saw it on a clip from Ready Room on Instagram or something, where it's like, no, he's doing the the big The big stance sit down, uh, a la Riker. The fact that Jack Quaid improvised that for his director, Jonathan Frakes, because Jack Quaid understands Star Trek, that's all you need to know about that situation. All you need to know about Jack Quaid.
1: A hundred percent. Uhura enters fine with him on the saddle, but Mariner would be freaking out if she was here. Wink, wink, wink. I
0: think she's going to show up, Pete. I watched the the preview.
1: (laughs) But Uhura has got to decipher the portal language, and La'on is paging Boimler to the transporter room.
0: On the surface, Boimler is staring at Spock and Mbenga. Hey, Mbenga, is that a TS-22 tricorder? You know, improvements were made, along with them becoming less explodey. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) That was... That little exchange there was maybe one of the most cartoony things and it was just like lower decks was doing lower decks stranger Worlds was doing stranger worlds and both are being authentic it was just just great you know however the industrial design was never topped which is like oh yeah this is an episode about star trek fans enjoying star trek the circumstances of the trip are reiterated how he got there along with the uh, the heronium situation perhaps it was just dumb luck that brought boimler here spock laughs and just this wonderful i don't know this wonderful laugh uh he laughed because assigning intelligence to chance is ridiculous uh and of course in the comedy of errors here boimler takes implied responsibility for spock's change from spock norm uh but they can't focus on that too much because they are quickly beamed up as there is an orion ship in the area on the bridge, we're told shields are up and yellow alert has been set.
1: The away team goes to the bridge and Boimler can't believe he's there. I love the POV shots first of the whole bridge and then later of the chair on the bridge of the NCC 1701-nothing. Wait, what what would come? After a dash, that doesn't even make sense. Boimler recognizes war hero Ortegas. But what ship is that? Boimler, without thinking, IDs what is totally an Orion ship, a scout, and the Enterprise is ready to fire. But wait, it might be a science vessel? Number one notes there's been Orion pirating in the area and Boimler happens to know it's a peaceful vessel. The hail is answered, and it's Captain Har Karas, captain of a science vessel. He's commonly mistaken, uh, having been painted pirate green by compatriots. But meanwhile, the portal has been beamed up by the Orions, and they warp out Boimler!
0: In Pike's Ready Room, Pike and Number One Talk, the captain has underestimated the damage that Boimler can cause. Boimler is such a fanboy of Pike, and it's reiterated, apparently terrified of Una because this story has so many balls in the air. It's just, it's remarkable. is just a little reminder. We have an Una arc here. Uh, Perhaps this is a chance, perhaps this has been a chance for Pike to think that maybe his future doesn't end up with a terrible outcome. Speaking of Boimler, where is he? Pete, take us to the lounge, which they keep using and using this season. It's a great set. They do make wonderful
1: use of the space. He's in the corner by Ortega's and chapel. Uh, they're looking to hang mostly. How is he feeling? Is he sick yet? They joke that it's going to be much worse. Uh, should he have chronoton poisoning? And what's the future like? Are there jetpacks? smaller jet packs even? Because we already have jet packs in their future. Uh, but Boimler wants to hear what their lives are like meeting all these alien aliens. He knows this is the golden age of exploration and he's jealous. Meanwhile, Uhura is working and she's even missing movie night on Friday. But isn't that also Pike's birthday? Oh, Boimler shouldn't have said anything. Every kid knows Pike's birthday. But should they throw Pike
0: a party? Ortegas may do that and is going to give Boimler all the credit. Pete, the only question I have about this episode is... Why Ortegas is a part of me, why Chapel is bringing up the possibility of chronoton poisoning? I know it was referenced last episode. Still, I was like, I mean, we don't go anywhere with it. He doesn't actually get sick. Is it just kind of an an excuse to have Chapel? in this scene. And I'm not complaining the chapel is here, but like, is that the excuse why you would have a nurse here? Because she's going to talk nurse things or they're going to, they're going to give him a hard time or they're going to kid around with him, but she needs something nurse type to talk about.
1: Well, you need to have a segue into the real conversation she's going to have with Boimler about Spock. And I think if they meet for the first time and it's, oh. well, Tell me about your relationship with Spock. It's way
0: too forward. Fair observation. And indeed, she steps away, going to a smiling Spock. Oh no, Boimler thinks he has caused that as well. He chases Chapel down, as you mentioned, uh, saying that they need to talk about Spock. Uh, Isn't he different? Um, In many ways, Pete, this is the best written scene of the episode. That's saying something boimler is worried that he has broken spock that legendarily stoic spock who's really really important to the future um multiple futures you know the whole kelvin thing as well this of course we can see and we kind of know because we know the future of the timeline means that chapels schrodinger's cat side quest romance is not going to last Boimler doubles down. He's read every book written on Spock all about Spock's history. None of this is recorded. None of this should be happening uh, but it turns out Spock was doing this before he arrived. So it's a phase. It's just gonna go away on its own. Then Boimler figures out, oh, Chapel is the influence and Boimler has messed things up again. Wonderful Great. little line here from no, Chapel. Uh, she hoped she, she had not hoped for forever. Maybe she didn't even want that. Uh, and as Bornler exits chapel and Jess Bush have this moment of sad reflection
1: written as well as this is, it's enhanced that much more by the characters digging in from both series to who they really are. You know what, what impressed me and I think us at the beginning of lower decks, we knew they could do funny. It's where they find the heart so often And here, to bring that into strange new worlds, you know, these cartoony, over-the-top shots of Spock, of his smile, okay? And then the fear etched on Boimler, and now to have this discussion in the turbo lift, like, oh, Chapel was with him, they have something going on, um, that... It was a dalliance we already know, um, not permanent. Um, but the thing I've been thinking about a lot in retrospect, Matt, we know that the Pring thing doesn't work out. So for all we know, for the rest of his life, Spock never had feelings for anybody else, and Chapel was kind of like somebody special to him.
0: I think there's a really bittersweet potential there. I don't, such an idea might inform decisions that get made along the way this season, next season, so forth. I kind of, I can't quite conceive how you build towards that short of a, uh, you know, a time travel, something or other. And even then, you know, obviously since Spock prime lives out the rest of his life in, um, in the Kelvin universe, like, I don't know how you do that. And I don't know that you need to do that. You can just be informed. You, you in the writing room can say, we are going to treat what you just said, Pete, we're going to treat this idea as fact and continue with that as we make small decisions along the way without turning it into the Leonard Nimoy hologram episode or something like that. That just would not, that would not track as an endpoint. You can just have it be part of the reality.
1: On the bridge, Pike is being told that they simply cannot track the Orions. Boimler overhears this, and he can't help. Or rather, what if he tracked them without them looking? Cut to under a console, doing things to track the Orions. Hey, future boy did it.
0: The Enterprise warps to the Orions. uh, The goal to get the portal uh it's also reiterated that there needs to be a peaceful solution uh boimler says after all negotiation is one of pike's many many strengths along with benevolence kindness great hair <laughs> pike hails the orions uh and a phaser lock keeps them in place pike explains that perhaps maybe an ancient portal was taken by accident uh the phaser lock is taken away captain carras needs to be persuaded How do you do that with Orions? Boimler mumbles to Spock and everyone on the bridge that the Orions will want to trade. Though I do like the the little the little lower decks esque joke in there that Boimler didn't think Pike could hear him (laughs) given how the bridge is so large. Right. Acknowledgement that the bridge this is a larger bridge than, you know, classic trek and so forth. And there's really no way to square that circle. Just it just is a reality and leads to a joke here.
1: Yes. And they'll make the trade With the grain here, we return to the planet. The portal is back and the Heronium is almost gone, but it can do one more one-way trip. And we know that this has not been the entire episode, so you're just waiting for it at this point. Boimler says it was one of the greatest experiences of his life, and for Pike, it's been unexpected. So back you go and try not to come back. And Boilover steps up to the platform and it fires up. Goodbye, everyone. And Mariner slams into him. Hell yeah, she did it. She's saving him. And now the portal's dead. And whoa, did Mariner time travel? And is Ohura here? You guys are great, but whoa, where's Ohura?
0: Pike now says five to beam up. Um, which I just want to point out, Pete, yes, we are at the halfway of the episode, but we're also kind of at the end point of a lower deck, you know, like we're at, we're at the end point of a half hour lower deck. And it's weird that we now get Pike's log reminiscing on things as though it's the, kind of sort of almost the beginning of another half hour of Star Trek, another half hour episode. Um, but Pike's log summarizes that the problems have doubled in the ready room Mariner and Boimler. I mean, are just doing their thing. To think, Pete, that portions, if if not most of all of Lower Decks, but portions of the first season or two were, you know, not just COVID era, like recorded in their closet over Skype or Meet or Zoom or whatever, the idea that these two actors have not been in the room together on a Google Meet together, what we're getting here is gold. Uh, she, of course, is uh, totally there to save him from a dystopian San Francisco during a riot, an oddly <laughs> specific reference uh, but she's being 100% pr- uh, profesh but c- can we talk about young Spock being hot the body, the face, the ears wow Pete I would say this should be its own show here's the good news, it is
1: I wish there was a way not only that we would see oh. more live action lower decks but that these characters could interact more often or the idea that they could be with other uh, you know, with discovery with, you know, the Picard cast, like this is, this is just fun. And they absolutely nailed it. The thing I enjoyed the most in this sequence is Mariner putting her arms on the table and then retracting them with a squeak.
0: Well, I think of, I think of, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine at its finest that would have, maybe not every season, but, you know, once a year, the O'Brien Must Suffer episode, once a year, the Mirror Mirror episode. I mean, the least consequential Star Trek show ever is Lower Decks, just in terms of, you know, they're not there fighting the Borg or saying, but black on one side and white on the other. Like, they're not doing those things. Lower Decks characters, whether it's animation or live action, it could be a once a year thing um like don't stop now That right now yeah like let this be a yearly uh, strange new worlds thing where it's like oh no they're back now they've brought two more like it's it's right there you
1: imagine a
0: discovery episode where they interact
1: and it's the the discovery you guys were vaporized at, at this point, what do, what do you mean you're in the 33rd century? Like you flip the script. Could you imagine how that would work?
0: Uh, yeah. Um. And, and Jack Wade is already in Canada. A lot of the time for the boys. Um. It's all it's, it's, it's right there to be done. I mean, who knows Pete? They, they, they hid the Kirk casting and did a pretty good job with the season one kirk casting until you know filming on the street season two blah 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 they owned this i'm assuming before it was filmed certainly around the time it was filmed you know last summer um they owned it at san diego comic-con the lower decks discovery crossover could be in the can and just waiting if the fifth and final series ever reaches the darn air but i digress pete the meeting in the ready room starts uh, with, of course, having these two time travelers now being a disaster. Spock reiterates that the huronium supply in the portal is depleted. Heck, all huronium is depleted and has been for 100 years. They could try and synthesize some, but that could blow up half of the ship. Uhura's working on decoding the the portal itself. That's when Mariner says, wait, I have linguistics experience, so you should send me <laughs> to work with Uhura. Uh, and and Boim's can help Spock, and though Boimler does mumble that Spock doesn't actually need help, um, Spock says that he could use a helping hand if uh, Boimler doesn't want to risk losing one. Big smile.
1: <laughs> In the corridor, Mariner and Boimler talk. Boim's, don't be such a fanboy, but no, he doesn't want to be stuck there. Indeed. He started his own career because he wanted to be part of history. And if they can't be sent home, they'll
0: need to live off the grid. And And... I think that that is such an important line because I don't think anybody really, you know, a lot of trouble with Tribbles. I don't think anybody actually thinks the Klingon war is about to start because there's little Tribbles and like, right? Same thing here to sit and go, okay, it's just these two goofballs having fun. But it's underpinned by the fact that if they do stay, they can't actually live in this in, in this community, in this society. and and you know, the extra time and energy has been taken to write this line and learn this line and shoot this line and all of it. but it it's a reminder that for all the funny stuff, there are real stakes here for these two people,
1: but Mariner's embellishment here, she thrives on grid. She requires grid. <laughs> It's great. Yeah, uh, number one arrives, scaring Boimler uh, off like the cartoon that we're used to seeing him. And she's wondering if everyone thinks she's doomed. And we're seriously questioning we we don't have an endpoint for this character, so we don't know is there some fate that interrupts. Uh, Mariner explains that she's the number one. Boimler has a poster of her in his bunk number one I wonders is this a pin-up poster but and perhaps maybe one of the funniest moments of the episode mariner is confused it's a poster that's pinned up wait are we saying the same thing and rebecca romaine underscoring is this here by not wanting to know assuming of course the worst
0: In Uhura's quarters, Mariner is there saying she's always admired Uhura, carefree, yet a grade A space adventurer. Everyone in the future knows her, but of course, let's not share too much. Uhura is good at what she does. She's hardworking and flappable and capable of having fun. Uh, That's the the perspective from the future, but in the present time, for Uhura, it's pressure, and she can't even manage a basic translations so how she's supposed to have fun when she also has to be this universally known icon mariner calls a break indeed citing starfleet labor codes uh saying that officers must take meal breaks mariner doesn't want to report her so pete where are they headed
1: they also allow her to slack off that she navigates these uh labor codes they go of course to the lounge for orion hurricanes but they had to swap out one of the ingredients for Orion Delac Ortega's likes Mariner a good bad influence and suggests she come to Pike's surprise soirée but says Mariner only if she can take pictures for the history books and freak real mom out just kidding sort of
0: Ortegas notes that breaks should be taken when you can. This is a lesson that she learned on the Klingon front, a reminder that much of the Enterprise crew sat the war out, uh, but not Ortegas that gets to deliver that gem. Fine, Uhura will relax. She very quickly downs a drink that (laughs) has probably triple-proof alcohol in it. Um, And because... You know, again, it's the little details in this episode that make it sing. Because Uhura has handed the pad over so that she can drink, Ortegas looks down and says, Wait, I know those symbols from a, from a Domjot set, a, an old set, like ancient old. With that, uh, Uhura starts to flick through. Yes, those glyphs are indeed an ancient Nausicaan dialect. Uh, and uh, Mariner credits the powers of taking five to recharge.
1: In the lab, Spock notes he has extrapolated that something about uh, their future, Spock's future in particular, has been discussed. Therefore, he notes that his experiments in human emotions do not last, and Christine was upset. Boimler admits that the universe needs a Vulcan spock but spock logically cannot change his path including the current experiment in motion time to start the synthesizer do you feel lucky safety goggles are put on and there is sparking sparks are bad you should seek cover and the cover is quickly blown off and the experiment ends heronium cannot be synthesized
0: and again kind of the wisdom in this scene there's only one character in this show who can get a sense of uh, a sense of his future, but decide that the things that he's doing against it must continue. And it's Spock by this logic of the path the current path that he's on, though it's a di- divergence, he must stick with it uh, in order to reach the end point. It's just they're finding every little last detail here. Uh, even down to Boimler going to uh, to engineering, presumably to soothe himself. With the sound of the warp core, uh, which gives an opportunity to bring bring Pelia into it, who recognizes him as one of those future kids. Actually, Boimler's a stuck-here kid. (laughs) And also a man. (laughs) Such Uh, a Boimler thing to say. Pete, I have no doubt that the writing credit was correctly assigned here, but I think that some of these jokes uh, are shining because of the polishing hand of Mike McMahon. Um, This just... There's so many lower decks lines here. It's this is a lower decks. This is authentically lower decks and authentically Stranger Worlds. They did it, Pete. They did it.
1: So go and listen to the warp core here. On the grain front, more cannot be had, and this will result in the complete relocation of Setlet Two. Uh, the solution, Pellia says, is to find a time travel device and stop Boimler. Yikes. He looks up to everyone here, but he doesn't belong. Pellia notes that she's over uh, thousands of years old, and her heroes have always faded away. They pretend half the time. One guy said, I got to admit, I was kind of surprised we didn't hear who this was. I thought it was going to be somebody we knew. Uh, I always pretended to be someone I wanted to be until finally I became that someone or he became me. Uh,
0: Pete, I just looked it up. Do you know what guy said that that she knew? This is a real world quote.
1: I did not know it was a real world quote. Who was it?
0: Uh, it comes from Cary Grant, a biography. Okay. So apparently okay. it's a apparently it's a Cary Grant quote there, which I would like to see a lower deck animated. I'd like to see an animated something where Pelia and Cary Grant have a <laughs> have a day that's it no like if you want it there doesn't need to be more of that other than you know maybe Pelia does a log or Boimler finds Pelia's log or whatever it doesn't need to be a Star Trek beyond that
1: north by Northwest Vermont
0: <laughs> uh perfect hey I'm caught in the snow here it, it just that's all it needs to be and nothing more uh, this quote gets Boimler thinking a bit uh we see a rare view the shuttle leaving a uh, kind of you know the old the old enterprise style it's but it's got the the energy uh seal there and so forth ultimately we the camera enter the shuttle bay Boimler is sneaking about wanting to take a shuttle uh then Yikes Mariner is there holy q uh which she says don't say that they do have Trelane that's kind of like the same thing but not exactly Uh, Anyway, her time with Uhura was awesome. Uh, Boimler supposes that the translation didn't work. It actually did. It's another dead end. It's a label that says this is a time portal.
1: Oh, dausikins.
0: (laughs) They reference how strange it is here, including everyone speaking so slowly, which... Pete, I would be interested to know how long a lower deck script is because it's it was only with that line that I was like, they do speak quickly. There is rat-a-tat comedy. There's no way that a 30-minute episode is 30 pages. We're we're not quite Gilbert Girls level of two for one, but there's got to be – they've got to be over 40-page scripts that all make it to screen, and it's just delivered fast.
1: Boimler's plan, fix everything. He's going to steal shuttle, trade back for the grain. He's going to help the people now, and the shuttle has its own comm array. Mariner says she needs the help, and she doesn't get caught. And then they're caught by Lon.
0: They are brought to Pike's quarters. The lower deckers, told that they will be confined to quarters until this is resolved. Uh, And then Pike asks to speak to them with Lon gone. Oh, that rhymes. Uh, He notes that rules have been broken, and the situation is getting worse mariner in just such a wonderful mariner moment with all her boisterousness and pomposity she's ready to go to the brig for the both of them yes it's because of the joke that boimler dressed as pike once for halloween and there was a whole chin contouring thing but in that wonderful lower decks way there she is ready to sacrifice herself for her friend she just can't say those things so she's using legit comedy and deflecting and it's 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 all there um But Pike moves on to a personal note saying that Boimler has been encouraging the crew to throw a surprise party. Boimler says, you never know how many birthdays you might have left. And there's some eye work there for Mariner as well. Yeah, because everybody knows the sad fate of Captain Christopher Pike. She Uh,
1: references the face and the chair. And they don't go for the low-hanging beep, beep.
0: (laughs) Um... I think that well, uh, Pete. I don't know if that was ever discussed in the script, but I think that I would have a hard time. I think it's one of those things like Mariner and Boimler don't joke about the the outcome to Pike. Like that's one of those things where you go, we can joke about some things, but not about this hero that saved cadets and then rendered his body this, you know, this this lump of flesh. Like it, I think it's one of those things where like Pete, they celebrate his birth. His birthday is practically a holiday they don't joke about what happened to to Christopher Pike. So I think there too, it's authentic that they're not, um, they're not making light of it.
1: It's no joke. Why he feels this way about birthdays. Um, He doesn't want the party because of his past. His father was a source of conflict and things were never resolved. This is the first year Pike will be older than his father when he died. And his plan was to finish the mission go to Setlick 2's Ice Moon with a bottle of whiskey and have a discussion with his father. But Boimler retorts that those on this ship, alive ones, might want to wish one more day they had another chance to talk with him. Visiting the past can be so difficult. Sheesh, Mariner, didn't want to be there, and shh.
0: Which again, ending with a funny, but like the truth of Pike wants to visit his own past emotionally. Boimler has visited the real past, Confluence, Um, but Pike thinks aloud, yeah, what would it be like for him to set foot on the NX-01? Wait, the NX-01, Boimler now knows how to get them home. We cut to a, a ready room panel there, ready to hear Boimler. He's prepared a lengthy speech, including a limerick. Uh, but it's decided that they just fast forward through that. One time, Mariner was dragged to the Starfleet History Museum. They went to the NX-01, uh, and it was mentioned that ships back then uh, used Heronium alloy. Uh, Ortega says, so we get an NX ship. Um, I was ready for that. However, nope. Ships of the same name are built with an old piece from the old ship. Uh, and it's Mariner who knows where that piece is. She was paying attention. She listened. Surprise!
1: <laughs> but not at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, in person, at least. In engineering, they find that piece of Archer's Enterprise. The Heronium is pulled up and into the science table. And with a bell ding, they have what they need. That was pretty fast.
0: I think they recognized that it was the time to get a move on here. Uh, the Lower Deckers and more head for the transporter room. Uh, Mariner wants to make things clear to number one. Number one is the literal poster girl slash woman for Starfleet. Boimler has that recruitment poster. Uh, Boimler, speaking from the heart here, says that Una was a big reason why he joined. Ad Astra per Aspera. Pete, do you remember that from a couple of episodes ago? I do, and that they've squared all this
1: and found a way to incorporate it in fact if you looked really early in the episode you could see the poster then
0: it's it's all perfect Uh, una goes from being touched and then tells them off for being you know troublemakers but then also thanks them gives a little wink to uh to boimler as well the heronium is in hand pete that's what he was holding remember when we saw the the 15 seconds of footage posted to Mm -hmm. crave in canada and people said it it must be when he beams in and that's a space camera and i'm like he's beaming out and that's the get out of that's the get out of problem thing it was the exact opposite of what we thought uh boimler mariner laon and pike get ready to beam down spock says live long and prosper mr boimler and Boimler says, I you all the life. <laughs> On the surface, the away team meets
1: the Orions there without Pike's authorization. Mariner and Boimler caused all the trouble. They didn't want the colonists uh, to starve. And Pike says there were they were there for routine surveys, and they're standing by a time portal and need to return. These two home. Boymillar adds, they'll return to a time where there's an Orion scientist. Atreya Tendy is there. Uh, Pike notes that, for history's sake, Orion scientists can take the discovery. That is all for the Orion captain. That's all he's ever wanted. The portal is powered up. Rutherford and Tendi are ready to come through, but no. Our Lower Deckers will go back. Boimler gives one more wave, and they step back into animation.
0: Tendi is told you were right. It was Orion's who discovered the portal. I I really appreciate that we get Tendi and Rutherford kind of in, in, well, in, in this scene here. On the Cerritos, as the Lower Decks portion of the episode wraps up, Boimler notes that those old scientists really were uh, from that great old TOS era. Ransom uh, sees the poster, finds Numera Una hot. Uh, of course it is. He's voiced by the husband of the actor who plays Una. Uh, and thanks Mariner for running the mission, something she had volunteered for. And with that, the Cerritos warps away to end their story. But still in animation, back to
1: the Enterprise in the era we left. It's Pike's birthday party. He didn't seem surprised by the surprise. Ultimately, he thought it was best to celebrate with his friends. And they are all enjoying Orion Hurricanes with Orion Delac. And it's such a strange feeling. So it's two-dimensional. Spock's arms are bendy and Ortegas has huge eyes. What the hell is in these things?
0: Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's start with time. It's familiar in
1: that these stories traffic in the tropes of you can't share this. This will affect the past. Everything like that. And the story so abandons that in the best ways. To have the discussion with Spock. To have the discussion with Pike. Uh, even the bit about the Orion scientists to clear up that historically. Uh, So to take a negative and turn it into a positive.
0: Another threat in this episode and used so wisely is that of the Orions. It's the second episode in a row where our baddies are, are at opposite ends of our heroes but not actual real baddies these are real Orion scientists presumably doing scientific things i'll take the captain at his word at the end it's all he ever wanted was the credit for scientific discoveries um and again you know it's an easier episode to have them be pirates but instead to 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 have them be threatening without being bad is all the more nimble
1: i think they did leave an opportunity for some funnies on the table could you have mixed the ideas of you know pirates with science labs and everything like that like quick make them walk the plank into the microscope room or something like that like that could have been fun
0: let's set our long range sensors to scan ahead for some theories. Pete, apparently the star date that Boimler gives places this towards the end of lower deck season three, but not after what we've already seen. Uh, and we know from the lower deck season four, um, trailer that at least passing references made to not talking about that Pike thing. Um, will this get talked about again, beyond that in lower deck season four?
1: I really hope so. um, I can't imagine they go too far.
0: Similarly, and as we already discussed, I mean, let's make this a yearly thing. Um, It's, it's as simple as that. They've done it. If now you need to figure out the proper green for Noel Wells or the proper way to do the eye uh, Rutherford's eye thing uh, for Eugene Cordero. I mean, I can't remember Pete, if they were filming season three before the strike, but you know, in the post strike landscape, let's just have the Lower Decker, let's have four Lower Deckers return to Pike's Enterprise.
1: Did you feel like at any moment we would have had Rutherford and Tendi?
0: Um, I think that the episode is teasing that with full gusto in that they really, really are a foursome, so all four should beam down, but story choices are being made for this story, um, and it's easiest to take the two of the four who don't need funny makeup or prosthetics um, that just need their normal selves. I I believe both actors are in wigs, you know, and things of that sort. But this was the easier way to go. It's the two bigger stars from the show. It's the two bigger stars in TV. I think it kind of was win, win, win. And it comes with, we have left something in the tank for if we want to do this again.
1: If they uh, don't do it with an existing show, let's do it with short tracks. Let's, let's do a live action, you know, the, the foursome there. I mean, even get into ransom, uh, captain mom, uh, uh, shacks, all of them. And, and do that in a 15, 17 minute episode. That'd be a ton of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd like to add to it. This isn't exactly a theory, but maybe it's, that was the time to mention it. Um, Jonathan Frakes was selected to do the right episode and not because this is Star Trek on Star Trek because I'm sure they only hire the finest directors but you know to have somebody who doesn't understand how this why is this episode about a guy who's not in the show but he's in another show and he's a cartoon versus Jonathan Frakes who a has been on the other show and also has some affinity for Mike McMahon and all of that but Jonathan Frakes who understands all Star Trek has a place and and who can you know he rem- he can remember his first time on a Star Trek set just the way here it is for Jack When you know, all of that to sit and go the 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 things that potentially might be a negative in this episode in terms of the orientation of who's who's the star of the episode and, and things of that sort and why are things important and how how funny scary do you make it when somebody smiles you know again another director might just say okay i've watched a couple episodes of stranger Worlds. thanks for hiring me bing bang boom why is this scary instead of freaks who can just say i i i understand exactly how funny scary to make it when spock smiles and you turn the camera this much we got it got the shot next stranger worlds has been a big ratings getter obviously
1: um nowhere near uh you know anything that the viewership of lower decks uh has had to this point you're always going to have more with live action than animation it's going to be interesting to see if this leads to people checking lower decks out if there's some kind of uptick particularly as they begin season four on september 7th
0: and further further add to it i believe i'm correct in saying in fact i am correct in saying all animated shows are not necessarily writers guild some are animated writers guild which uh side note writers (laughs) let's resolve that yeah but um i and i must confess i don't know uh, i guess that's by show so i don't know here's what i'm trying to say pete let's say best case scenario there are already some season five uh scripts that are done and locked okay that means that animation which is less expensive but takes longer go start to animate that stuff so when you get your actors back and when you get your writers back you can say hey good news for season five we did all the designs of the new ships we did all the 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 color palettes for the planet zebulon and things of that sort and work can just continue here and also means you know these animators can keep working the the strike is not with them There's a potential here for a win-win that the actors and writers can return to Lower Decks ready for them and ready to proceed work here, uh, much as I'm sure there are some people putting the finishing touches on on Season 4, even as we speak.
1: We know from nearly 57 years of Star Trek that phasers, particularly early on, were prone to explode. I don't remember any tricorders. Could they be hinting at maybe something to come?
0: Uh I think that's a really great question and it's happened time and time again in strange new worlds where little things that don't stick out end up being a larger point. We discussed that just a couple days ago uh with the the prior episode and the end point being Spock comes to Kirk's table. Why something has been left there, what's been left? The 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 plate the the cup from sam kirk because he has a history of doing it we're going to backtrack that into the prior episode for comedic effect and so on and so forth not knowing that it actually was setting up this monumental moment of spock and jim kirk meet um i would love it if just all of a sudden they're, they're on and away mission situation and the tricorder has all the answers here but all of a sudden. It blows up, and they say, "Oh, there were reports, or boimler did say, you know, things of that sort." And it's been set up for a payoff we don't yet see.
1: How about to the way they nailed the bottom of the soles of the uniforms, which we saw before and already knew looked great, um, to the animation?
0: That as an animation detail kudos to the animation team for having done that then add to it somebody had the idea of showing that and somebody that idea stuck because it, it would have bothered nobody It would it, the show would not have been any worse if you just said yeah we're, we're gonna shoot boimler from the ankles up like we're not going to design a shoe go out and get a black boot out of the 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 you know central central uh, clothing area on the lot here go get some black boots put them on there this is not going to be an area of our focus of our energy of our time despite the fact that it's in animation instead somebody designed it and along with it you know presumably in the script and there's freaks to say we're going to do the camera shot and there's the editor editor to keep it etc etc and it just makes for a more coherent thing all the way through a more coherent strange worlds a more coherent uh lower decks and a more coherent star trek With that, Pete, let's open Hailing
2: Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir.
0: To what I guess we'll still keep calling Twitter, even though he wants us to call it X now, which is available at twitter.com. I don't know, Pete. We're also on threads. There's also the email. For right now, though, let's talk about our Twitter poll for this episode. Uh, The bottom rung, one frowny emoji. Don't really like Trek. Pete, weirdly, that got 0%. Uh, two Vulcan salutes. Fun is not logical. Also got zero percent. Three Vulcan salutes. Mid-season topper got seventeen. Uh, pardon me, seven point three percent. And then Pete, not four but five Vulcan salutes. Epic got ninety-two point seven percent. Some replies here on Twitter. Rose Ferry, at Anna Rose five eight four said, "Love this episode, but not Spock's hair. It was so distracting. Bad toupee. Um, <laughs> I thought that was his real hair. I don't. I don't know. I, I think."
1: Spock is using his real hair, they're styling it so the poor dude doesn't have to get a super weird haircut for the months and months and months he shoots in Toronto because he's an attractive dude and we want to not do the bowl cut thing. Um, Yeah, they're, they're styling it. It's obviously a work in progress. I think it's looked better in some episodes and not as good in others
0: uh we hear from andre yeager at dr polo in 1983 great episode stranger worlds is killing it this season i didn't know how much i needed boimler and beckett in live action they did a great job bringing their characters to life next up spider ham lincoln tests lc 139 uh was stranger worlds tos great yes was it perfect no was it the best Trek ever no was the best stranger worlds ever debatable regardless it was a lot of fun for strange new worlds the true stars of the story oh pardon me i think because i think this more is a lower decks episode with strange new worlds as guest stars because boimler and mariner were the true stars of the story trek has given us several crossover episodes one with legacy footage trials and tribulations and most with in-story Live characters from other series, McCoy and TNG, Barclay and Voyager, Riker and D Space Nine, uh, too many others to list. But those old scientists for the story it tells is very near the top of all the crossovers. It was funny, endearing, and like Tribulations, a true love letter to the fans. Bravo again, Strange New Worlds. Bravo again. Uh, next, we hear from JT Atkins. JTA is me on Twitter. Or X. Newsom and Quaid rocked the transition to the three-dimensional world and timing, while our Tos heroes embraced the cartoon flavor with finesse. Brilliant! The genius of the synthesis of the two series was summed up in three words: "I love grapplers." And he <laughs> tags Christina Chong on Twitter X. Uh, last tweet: Pete comes from Prodigy Deserve Better at Kclyle1. Absolutely amazing! It was everything I hoped for funny with some serious moments I was oddly touched when boimler took one last look at pike before he went to the portal i'll be watching again soon great performances all around as usual and the animated opening credits and last scene of the animated enterprise crew were incredible but i think cartoons pike's hair should have been way higher (laughs) i don't necessarily disagree fantastic job by all involved uh they say pete what feedback do you have over there Peter Missouri Matt, long-time Trekkie,
1: uh, he writes in, Those old scientists is quite possibly one of the best hours of Star Trek ever done. In his opinion, up there with Inner Light, The Visitor, and Trials and Tribulations.
0: Pretty universal praise there, Pete. We go to the email inbox, uh, where Alan Thomas has written in about the Stranger World partially animated episode. That's the subject line. I'm sure this episode will be polarizing, but personally, I just found it a lot of fun, and most importantly, got a ton of laughs out of it. I wouldn't want the show to be like this all the time. And actually, didn't care for Lower Decks after giving the pilot a whirl, but for this one, uh, for this one format-breaking hour, I just had a lot of fun. I would call this one of the better outings of the season. Next, Pete, we hear from Stacy Thomas, who says, Hi, Matt and Pete. How cool that we got two episodes of Stranger Worlds this week. Lost in Translation was a good episode. As you mentioned, I appreciated that Uhura and Una are still grieving Hemmer, as in real life, those we lose stay with us longer than is frequently shown on TV. I had a few expectations when it came to the Stranger Worlds Lower Decks crossover, so I went into it just ready to have fun, and fun it was. Bormler's enthusiasm for things Beckett couldn't care less about is always adorable. The portal hasn't done anything for 120 years, so it's due, like a dormant volcano. Tandy and Rutherford are just as excited. Yay, science indeed. Is it commentary on how we take pictures of everything with our phones that the camera sets the ancient, uh, <laughs> sets off the ancient portal thingy? That's a deep question, Stacey. Um, uh, a badge is also a communicator. Pike's humor always gets me. But flipping it open is the best part. Yep. Uh, I used to have a little, little keychain of the classic communicator. I do, I do miss the flip, flippy action there. Jack Quaid does a great job acting out Boimler's mannerisms. I love that the hair is purple, but only from certain angles. I would agree with that too. Like th- they nailed it. They nailed it so it doesn't you, look like a Halloween wig.
1: Yeah, you can't oversell it.
0: Yeah, it it, it it's completely purple and also realistically real. You know, anyhow. Uh she can do say Wharf's Honor, nice touch. Yikes, I know Spock is exploring emotions. <laughs> that laugh creeped me out. Um I'm sure we've seen them before, but since I don't remember, I'm just gonna say it. Orion ships are cool looking. Pete, did we see Orion ships in Enterprise? We must have.
1: I seem to remember uh some Orion stuff.
0: Uh, I-, I would agree they don't jump out at you as like, you know, the Ferengi, design. Klingon, Rom, all that. Right. Back to Stacy, who says, actually, seeing the, Boimler scre- seeing the Boimler scream come out of Jack Wade is something else. Chaplain Ortega's messing with him is delightful. Uh, let Boimler mess with these sensors while no one looks. Uh, of course, Boimler just talks over a pike that flatters him with all sorts of reasonable things he could be known for, including his hair. Uh, only enough heronium for one trip. Better be careful. Uh, only halfway through the episode, something that we knew, uh, but the characters didn't. Uh I thought Pike and maybe Spock were gonna get sucked forward. That could be a story option too. Beckett rushing in when she doesn't know what the situation is is more true to the show. Uh Pike's dismay to those four words, five to beam back, uh is uh palatable. Um be- Beckett's version of professional leaves a lot to be desired. Uh Boimler being startled by Una is curious when he walks away from her <laughs> and Beckett switching his hips like an animated version. I laughed so hard. I'm gonna have to go back and look for that um of course beckett knows the codes that apply to not working that's something to aspire to ortega's calling you a good bad influence uh love erica agreeing why she's brilliant without knowing why this whole scene with spock and boimler is great then spock's deadpan yes see cover as the lab explodes don't feel bad boimler pilly is thousands of years old to her everyone is a kid pike in an apron huh i thought he was gonna feed them love him struggling with boimler's awe uh, an apology for a, by Limerick? Perhaps not. Uh, this moment where Beckett tells number one Boimler's poster is a recruitment poster. Oh, I got teary. And I went back to the beginning to watch the scene where Beckett and Boimler are talking about the mission. I had to pause in just the right place, but the poster of number one is there. Like you said, Pete. Good job. I love the idea that the first piece of a new ship being from previous ship and they know it's Heronium because the visit to the starship history museum and they know where it is because Beckett thinks pretending she doesn't care about stuff makes her cool, but she paid attention. Great catch there. Yes. It's a character moment for, for Mariner and she fought to get that mission. So Boiler could go because she does care. This final scene is hilarious. Our intrepid enterprise crew is animated characters uh, and they can tell Orion hurricanes for everyone. What a super fun episode. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. That from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. Trek girl 88 on what we're supposed to call X, but really is Twitter.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're not calling it that
0: <laughs> Pete last email here from Josephina Avalos, who says I was so confused on Saturday with this surprise two episodes. i had been so busy at work. I'd lost track of time before I write uh, these. I watched the episode uh, of the week m- one more time when i tuned in on saturday i saw a new episode and i thought i must have been busy and missed this week's episode it's even saturday well thursday's episode was pretty cool i say that because it felt like it dragged a bit in the beginning then it picked up eventually there were some parts during uhura's hallucinations where i felt like i was watching lost with all the black smoke and strange sounds i'm glad they acknowledged the drink that's expected uh, between laon and kirk oh my gosh the kirk the kirk's sibling rivalry also i was so uh, it was so cool witnessing spock and kirk meet when they sit down with ohura i had a warm fuzzy feeling speaking of tos the saturday episode threw me off i forgot that it was going to be the crossover episode i had to check to see if i accidentally selected the wrong show i was so lost i had to check my calendar the world clock totally had a robin williams jumanji what year is it moment i felt like this season has had more comedic episodes than thriller episodes because this one was funny I like that they use the actors that voice the characters for this live action episode. Oh my gosh. The sneaky conversations like using the flip phone communicator, uh, sound like us and smartphones. I didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize the similarities, uh, with the lower deck uniforms have with the Marine Corps dress blues, the high leather neck collar with red trim. Uh, Pete, we don't need to talk about how there's the, the scene in Pike's quarters where he's giving them a, a yelling at, uh, how you can see, um, jack wade's makeup on the the collar of it and somebody probably should have caught that but nobody did um but i digress um josephina says oh and mariners rolled sleeves are like our rolled sleeves too in desert camis my heartache when um uh when uh chapel realized that she and spock aren't forever what's worse is that she doesn't make any significant impact on his life worthy of historical recording i don't know about that I, i like your theory pete in the current recorded Star Trek canon of which we have seen Spock's birth. If you count the deleted scene on Star Trek 09, which is semi-canonical all the way to knowing old Spock is in the Kelvin universe and dies. Like, has there been, have you, have, can you point to a measurable chapel impact?
1: How do you say that he didn't learn empathy when to embrace humanity from his time, albeit brief, with her before he went full on colonar, how, how can you say that?
0: Then they need to crib the the line from Citizen Kane, where uh, the guys like you know when I was fifty years ago, I saw a woman passing on a on a on a ferry, and uh, I didn't. I saw from her for maybe a minute. She never saw me at all. But not a week has gone by since then. I haven't thought about her. Like, they need to do that. They need to have that line. Just
1: I say you go deeper, and uh, she's Rosebud.
0: <laughs> Regardless, back to Josephina here. Uh, what, uh, let's see. I thought it was funny how the Lower Decks peeps point out the obvious. Like, they talk really slow and quiet because these characters uh, are animated. and uh, They stayed true in character. I'm not going to argue with Mariner with young, attractive Spock. This was a fun episode by Need More Ortegas. We're getting some uh, bits of her slip through. These past few episodes have been working up uh, some of her character background, like calling her a war hero, mentioning her in war times, being the best pilot of her class. Let's do this. Come on, Ortegas. I'm going to leave you all with, remember me, <laughs> Semper Fi, that from Josefina. With that, Pete, let's head to Fred in the Netherlands for his thoughts on this episode.
2: Hello Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 Episode 7 Those Old Scientists." And thanks a lot Pete for the heads up that this was an extra episode this week because otherwise I would have missed it or at least I would have missed the opportunity to give audio feedback. So thank you a super great crossover episode I will give it a straight A or a 10 or actually an A plus without any doubt although I'm not the greatest Lower Decks fan but perhaps due to this episode that will change I've seen the whole first season of Lower Decks and then stopped watching because I found it a little bit too funny and too silly nicely created but not really for me that's probably also the reason why I don't know Carol Kane But thanks for the tips you gave me last week. I will watch the 1987 Princess Bride and I quickly skip through it and it gives me a little bit of feeling of Monty Python and I don't like Monty Python at all. But nevertheless I will watch this iconic movie because many people are referring to it. But yeah, also many people are referring to Monty Python and how fantastic that is. I also watched The Ready Room with Jonathan Frakes and the actors who play Mariner and Boimler. Really great. Really great that Frakes directed this episode. And he had some experience with this kind of transfer because in 2004 there came a film out called Thunderbirds after the original 60s marionation series by Gary and Sylvia Anderson. The Thunderbirds, which is my way back first memory to anything on television together with the original Batman. The original series ran in the Netherlands from September 65 until May 68 with one episode per month. Imagine that. You have to wait a month for the next episode. And was still originally, although filmed in color, in black and white. Later on, it even was used as an introduction to color TV in the Netherlands. I thought that a Thunderbird film in 2004 was Frake's first time he directed something. But actually, he directed uh, things already 10 years earlier, namely some episodes of, for instance, The Next Generation. And the first one was The Offspring. That was the episode where Data created his own daughter, Wow. That episode aired in June, 1995. Well, they really took the best of both worlds here. And I appreciate it a lot that they took the voice actors of Lower Decks that could play here the live action roles as well. And they look uh, quite a bit like the characters in Lower Decks. So I really wonder if they always had planned this and that's the reason why the Lower Decks characters look a bit like the original voice actors or that they did that anyhow to honor the voice actors. So not especially for this episode of Strange New Worlds but just in general. I think the voice actors did a great job in also performing their roles. Of course the voice is already there but they really had to mimic the movements etc from the animated series. And the best of it all was, of course, that as well Boimler as Mariner are such a fanboy and fangirl that they really go into the role which we all as fans would have if we would appear there in the middle of the crew of the Enterprise. Such an homage to the real Star Trek nerds. Okay, that will be all. It's been long enough. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
1: Okay, so Fred does not like Monty Python. Nothing is for everyone. but uh, So Fred being uh, Dutch, my grandfather was from Holland, and nothing made my grandfather laugh harder than Benny Hill. So I need to know from Fred, does he at least appreciate Benny Hill?
0: Pete, I would add to that, Fred giving this episode... In his words, an A, a ten out of ten, an A plus. This is unheard of praise from the Admiral. Uh, and Fred giving a really deep cut here to Frakes directing Thunderbirds. Worth mentioning that's a movie that Frakes has said put him in movie jail, uh, which is to say (laughs) unable to direct feature films again. Um, probably unfairly so. I think that I don't know, that in two thousand and four people were interested in the Thunderbirds movie, but Pete Fred raised an interesting point here and as he said it I was like ah there's no way and it's like maybe he's onto something do you think the actors uh, the lower deck's voice actors are, are the, do they resemble their animated counterparts regardless of who came first the character designer or the actor do you think that there is that resemblance because it is star trek and just baked in was the possibility of live action in some way
1: I don't think you can rule it out, but you know, there's far more in terms of the hairstyling going on here. I think they incorporated some idea of their real world visage into the animation. And then, all right, now we're going to make it live action, but we've got to look at like the animation that we overstylized.
0: Pete, this journey of two Star Trek episodes and a Marvel podcast in the last several days. It could not have been done without the support of those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Thank you one and all for helping keep us listeners supported.
1: Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from right now. We're running a poll that if we run out of content, because things get pushed back for, the uh dual strikes what might you want us to check out that is free for all to uh vote in so check that out maybe you see something you like takes just a dollar a month to contribute to get behind that door can't contribute right now get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating leave us a review that helps us equally
0: and pete let's keep the conversation going can you name three social media names that comprise two sites where people can have one conversation with you. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you, you can follow me on Twitter
1: uh, at Peter P I E T E R J K L R K E T E L A A R where I have 12,714 followers who can't be wrong. And fewer and fewer each day because people are leaving that you can follow me on threads under the same name
0: uh and pete while i'm personally on twitter as looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com. check us out on twitter instagram gmail and threads where we are fantastic geek as well but wait pete there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek with a ph all one word like it, it today
0: Pete, as the sun sets on this Star Trek Tuesday, we will be back on Secret Invasion Saturday to talk about the series finale of that show and back on Star Trek Sunday to talk about yet another episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. With that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. I also, you also live in...